and just making putting a link over to this uh, iceberg in fairyland fairyland yeah there was an iceberg this winter that was really impressive oh that one yeah yeah, yeah. all right let's kick off episode 15 about walrus this is for the 29th of august 2017 hello welcome this is another episode of curiously polar with uh, maria corone hello hello chris and i'm good chris. to talk to you yeah good to talk to you again it is episode 15 almost a little tiny anniversary um, we're we're still recording this early August, and uh, you are located up in Tromso in the north of Norway. So um, yes. your midnight sun is gone. You have a well. Is it a proper night already? Is it? it it's still kind of bright, isn't mm, it? It's still kind of bright. Uh, we'll talk in a probably in a in the next episode about the midnight sun and what it looks like but the the uh the night is between i mean the sun goes below the horizon between 10 o'clock at night mm -hmm. and until half past three but uh, it's still so uh, high below the horizon so close to the horizon that we get a lot of light i mean you can still read and uh, see colors okay. okay even even in the dead of night okay so um yeah we'll we'll follow up on that next week um, but today, uh, yeah, I, I already, um, I already said in the last episode that this might be a bit of a longer one. Let's see how, um, how how we're gonna do with that because uh, we want to talk about walrus, and walrus is uh, one of the areas that you have done a lot of research on. So you will probably be able to tell us a lot about this, and depending on how long it goes, we might even split out a second episode from that. So. Let yeah, well, depending. I what, mean, what? let's let's see. Depending also what uh, what your curiosity about it. Well, is. What's, what's your what's your um, what's what's your expertise? Why um, why should I listen to you talking about walrus? Well, um, uh, first of all, because <laughs> you are interested in walrus. <laughs> but you... Well, I am. My my expertise uh, uh, originates from uh, my studying walruses for my uh, doctoral degree, okay. my PhD. I had the, uh, the chance of uh, uh, getting on board a project in, uh, when I was working in Denmark, and this project was on East Greenland walrus. And I uh, spent uh, four uh, field seasons in East Greenland, um looking at walrus directly like working uh directly we're talking field season we're talking about a month uh, each mm -hmm. um and you were in a you very were like, remote place you were like out camping out in on the ice or how, how do i have to imagine I was, that i was camping out it was a summer uh so there was uh, relatively little ice uh, but i was um camping on land um different locations uh, two different locations in uh, northeast greenland which um are the two uh, known walrus haul out on land uh, in still in use um because walruses uh, sometimes come out on land and um and uh and this is because i needed to get access to them and to uh perform like a live experiment on them and in order to find out uh, how much they eat 
and uh, during the summer. Mm-hmm. So how much fat they can accumulate during the summer. And, and this has, uh, this has been my, um, my hands-on experience with walruses. Uh, I've also had, uh, uh, previously contributed in, uh, in, uh, studies about, uh, uh, past, uh, distribution of animals, of, of walruses in, uh, in Greenland, all around Greenland. I was working for an institute that was mostly dealing with the Greenlandic, uh, uh, problems uh, like environmental assessments and, and things, a state institute. Um, and, uh, because Greenland is a part of the, uh, of the state of Denmark, uh, like an independent territory in the, in the state of Denmark, of course, uh, we were, uh, assigned from Denmark to study the Greenlandic, uh, uh, the Greenlandic environment. Okay. So, um, walrus. First of all, maybe maybe let's let's um, let's pin down why they are called walrus. <laughs> yes, because, well. because wall. Okay, so from German, um, from German, it's a two-part word, wall and Rus, or wal ross, which uh-huh. uh, the wal part is um, is whale, and the ross part is a horse. So it's a whale horse in German, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, so how do I, how, how does this, how does this come together? Yeah, well, I don't know. Some, some people say that in old Norse, uh, it was called the uh, Ross uh, Val and Val is like whale and Ross is the, the old Norse, uh, like the common language in, in Scandinavia, uh, for horse. Mm-hmm. And, they don't um, really look so like some, horses. <laughs> no, it's really weird that they, that they, like about this but uh, but it's um yeah the uh the the name then becomes uh, turned around like rosval become valros and uh, uh some people say that it comes from from a dutch uh, in like uh, the dutch way of inverting uh, uh the names like they say valfis like a whale fish instead of uh, Fish whale, mm-hmm. uh, so Rosval become Valros. It's uh, it's really strange, but it's um, <laughs> it's a very it's it's been it's been used uh, at least it's well known as Valros or Walros uh, from the uh, early 18th century. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you can uh, use uh, in plural. Some people ask me, uh, do you say for for many of these animals, uh, do you say walrus uh, in variable, like, like in singular, or walrai, <laughs> like uh, some of our some of our uh, uh, friends and uh, and guests during the last uh, yes. during the last cruise, <laughs> or do you uh, do you say walruses? And um, well, you can use both actually. You can, uh, but not walrus. Uh, walrus, but, uh, yeah, walrai would be a Latinization of something <laughs> that is not Latin because in Latin or the scientific name of walrus is Odobenus rosmarus. So the, uh, tooth walking seahorse. The tooth, well, they have long teeth, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. And, and walruses actually use, uh, their tusks as the big, uh, front uh, upper canines are called uh, to uh, also to to drag themselves up on the ice for example or or when the when the ground is slippery it's a bit uh, like a they crutch. use them in order to like yeah holding on to something and then mm-hmm. pulling themselves up it's a tool so yeah. this is why they are they're called tooth walking 
okay. the tooth walker. Mm, yes. But uh, so what? Like uh, what are yeah. they? Yeah, walruses are interesting, interesting <laughs> animals. I mean, I, I really, I really like them, and you have seen them up in. Uh, I, I've taken you out to to watch walruses oh, up was, in in, Green, in uh, Svalbard, which was a very, very impressive thing because you managed to to guide a group of um, twenty people, um, yep. in a way to we we approached a walrus. I don't even know what is called a colony walrus. A holout. Uh, a haulout. Haulout. Okay. Yes. So a group of I think sixteen walrus um, at a beach, and they were resting, and you helped us approach them, and you you gave us uh, instructions on how to behave and how to not behave because you have been around them, so you know what they what they're like, and uh, we managed to get close, like fifty meters close to them, and watch them from from that close, which was. A very impressive thing, and probably a memory that will stay with me forever. Mm, yes. Well, the uh, walruses are a, like a very, very peculiar animal. I mean, uh, they are a, they they look like seals, but um, like big seals, right? Like like really big seals. I mean, they are second biggest pinniped species uh, after the uh, elephant seals. Uh, elephant seals, Pini males pinniped? are. Yeah, but now we're talking about uh, techniques. Ex expl <laughs> expl explain pinniped. Yeah, pinniped. Uh, pinnipeds are that group of marine mammals that are seal shaped. Okay. Uh, everybody, everybody knows what a seal is, of course. Um, so you have a um, an animal that has uh, like flippers in the front and flippers in the back. So you have uh, like four limbs but they look like a, a fin like a pinna so pinny ped so ah, uh, with feet like uh, fins and uh, and the pinnipeds as a group um, uh, are uh, divided into the uh, uh, true seals the fossidae the uh, uh, otarids so the sea lions and the first seals and the walruses, I mean, the living ones, the living pinnipeds. And they have, um, so the, the sea lions are the ones that we usually uh, mimic when we think about a seal. So they want to go, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. And the, one, the circus, circus ones yes. with the, yes, with the exactly. ball and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the seals are more uh, like, they, they don't make sounds uh, like this and they are not using a circus uh, mm -hmm. usually. <laughs> and, and walruses are uh, a third group, um, of the, a third division of the living, of the living uh, pinnipeds. And, um, all, all pinnipeds come, uh, on land to, uh, periodically. So last, uh, during one of the last episodes, two episodes ago, we talked about whales and whaling and, uh, we talked about cetaceans. So marine mammals are uh, the cetaceans, the pinnipeds, and then we can take in the sea otters and the uh, and the polar bears, for example, or the manatees and the sea cows. Um, so we are talking about a division into the uh, group, the large group, which is marine mammals, and as opposed to whales and dolphins, the cetaceans, which cannot uh can do not come on land voluntarily and if they beach if they come on land they uh, are uh, in a life-threatening situation uh pinnipeds 
come on land regularly uh, to uh, uh, either rest or to like uh, give birth, for mm-hmm. example, and some of them also for mating. Um, and uh, and walruses are part of this group. Um, they pinnipeds also have uh, fur on their skin, and uh, they uh, uh, have the fur can serve as a partly as an as an insulation for some of the pinnipeds, so like the otarids, like the um, the uh, fur seals or the sea lions, or it can uh, is used as a is a um, like an anti-skid <laughs> system uh, the, from which we have the seal skins to put under the skis. Ah, so uh, they only they only skid in one direction mm-hmm. and not in the other. Or they only skid in one direction when they're on the ice or something. And and walruses have uh, have uh, fur, but it's it's very limited what kind of fur they have, and it's not serving any purpose. Yeah, of, uh, I was I was a bit surprised by that because um, I wasn't under the impression that a uh, walrus is just slippery slick kind of thing but then seeing them from close up um and, and dry the photos they <laughs> do have some fur yes they have a little bit of fur but it's not uh, used for insulation or for uh, for heat insulation and, and not used for uh for not uh for not skidding but of course they conserve they preserve their uh fur as a part of the uh, mammalian trait i mean mammals have uh, typically right. fur and um, on their skin and uh, it can serve some tactile purposes and uh, like uh, finding out what's happening around there. But uh, but uh, some walruses have more fur, some others don't. Like in, it's, there are individual differences of how much fur they have. So but they look a little bit like a doormat. That's true. <laughs> when yeah, they have exactly. A lot of fur. Oh, that's it. That was it. Yeah, that's what the fur looked like. Um, so so how big do they get? I have I've been again 50 meters from from that group and. They were impressive. So, how uh, how heavy can one of these get? Mm, they uh, can get well. Walruses are in, divided into two main subspecies. Uh, you have the North Atlantic walrus and the Pacific walruses. And the Pacific walruses are slightly bigger, but we are talking about uh, animals that are like the males can probably reach between one and a half and two tons, oh, wow. depending on the subspecies. And um, the females are slightly smaller, like in the North Atlantic, about a ton when they are big. So they are they are quite big and they are up to two and a half meter long. So they are um, they are pretty pretty big pinnipeds. Uh, they are larger than most seals, except the except the um, um, the elephant seals that can get up to three tons and be three meter long. Yeah. Okay, so what? Do walrus eat? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. That's that was. <laughs> do you, how, how much time do we have? Well, um, <laughs> shoot. Let's let's just go for it. Yeah, like the um, the uh, the main uh, prey of the walrus is is um, bivalves, so seashells that are living into muddy areas or sandy areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is something that is known from uh, from looking at uh, stomach contents. So walruses are hunted or have been hunted both by the Inuit and and by, for scientific purposes by by modern Europeans and European populations. And uh, and so they have um, we have accumulated a degree of uh, 
of uh, of knowledge about what we find in their stomachs. And then at some point uh, uh, a few years ago, um, uh, some scientists in uh, in Alaska have uh, actually tried to uh, make a uh, an artificial st- walrus stomach. And uh, so they have been taking a basin. Uh, they put a, like an acid solution that is mimicking the acids in the stomach of walrus. And then they've been taking out the uh, uh, organisms that are living in the sand uh, or in the mud in areas where walruses have been seen going diving um, down to the sea bottom. And... Um, and they put these organisms into the basin with this acid. And then they've been looking at what's left at different time intervals. And they've seen that the uh, uh, bivalves, so the, uh, the seashells um, that they are, are found in the stomachs of, uh, of the walruses are the ones that last uh, longest before they are dissolved by the acid. A lot of other things that are found in the sea bottom like uh, like uh, worms and uh, and sea stars and uh, lots of small crustaceans are um, actually dissolved totally in the first few minutes of permanence into this uh, this juice this stomach juice mm-hmm. so when we t- the the knowledge about what walruses actually eat from their stomach contents is partial and it's uh, very biased by the uh, uh, length of time that went in between the uh, actual feeding event and the looking into the stomach of the animal. Okay. Um, then there are inferences about uh, the speed at which walruses swim and their agility. So um, usually walrus would not go. A walrus would not go after a fish. A fish would be swimming so much faster than a walrus that it's uh, almost impossible for a walrus to eat so, a fish. And if and if the energy to f- to catch it would be so much higher than the actual energy from the fish, then yeah, because then we look at the morphology of the mouth and right. to uh, what actually the uh, the feeding mechanism is by a walrus. And from um, from uh, uh, mythology in Greenland. Uh, we have a first indication of the walruses eating by sucking. So in the uh-huh. mythology or the beliefs in Greenland is that if you fall into the water, a walrus could come and suck your brains out. Oh, really? Yes. And, and, and if you look at the mouth of a walrus, um, in spite of the big teeth there, they would impede any form of, uh, uh, of feeding like, uh, like a, a normal carnivore, so they would not be able to grab a prey with their teeth. Because they would they be so able long. to spit a prey, but uh, they would not be able to grab it and and eat it. So they would be uh, uh, they they would have to suck the um, the food into their mouth. Mm-hmm. 
And here we go to another experiment made by some uh, Dutch re- some group of Dutch researchers um, at uh, uh, on a walrus in captivity in uh, Hardewijk at the at the Delphinarium in uh, close to Rotterdam, and uh, they actually managed to measure the sucking power of a walrus because, of course, when you when you feed an animal in uh, in a Delphinarium, you would feed them herring, for example, like small fish. And, and you would see that if you put the fish close to the mouth, they would suck the fish from your fingers into their mouth. So you see like, well, they suck and they can suck things from the bottom. You could see them through a glass and see how they actually eat, but it would be an artificial environment. Um, but the artificial environment can be useful in the fact that you can set up an equipment to measure the sucking power of a walrus. (laughs) And here we're getting to, uh, uh, up to a couple of bars of negative pressure. So, like, uh, the pressure that's inside of a car tire, uh, but uh, think about it as a sucking uh, thing. That is impressive. As a sucking power. And it will be exerted by uh, the uh, making the mouth like almost like a piston and use, like a cylinder and using the tongue as a piston mm-hmm. and, and taking the tongue back um <laughs> In the, in the mouth, and then you can look at the anatomy of what the, the uh, muscles of the tongue are and how they are fastened onto the, uh, onto the, uh, the skeleton and to other muscles. And uh, this, is, this is actually quite, a, quite an interesting study that uh, demonstrated the walruses actually can suck uh, things apart. And this is confirmed by observations of walruses actually sometimes taking seals and uh, even though it's not very well demonstrated they can actively hunt the seals there are some indications they could take for example seals that are resting on an ice floe by suddenly coming up beside the ice floe and then uh, spitting spitting uh, spitting the uh, like uh, puncturing the seal with their tusks and so killing it with their tusks and then sucking it apart but people have been taking pictures and they've been observing walruses actually taking carcasses of seals apart by holding the carcass down with one of the four flippers and and sucking uh, the pieces out of the of the carcass. <laughs> this is gruesome. So they would, they would have, uh, end up with a with an empty seal hull, pretty much. Yeah, or yeah. like uh, with uh, with a seal <laughs> that is. Uh, that is uh, that is sucked apart in in different things, and I've been also finding in uh, while I was studying these this group of walruses in in East Greenland. Of course, they would come out to the beach and they would defecate, and in the feces I have found pieces of uh, pieces of seal skin and blubber and uh-huh. uh, vibrisse from from the seals. <laughs> so and and actually this was a was a curious uh, little thing because i was observing this group of walruses in between the experiments and then suddenly a fox an arctic fox came around one of the walruses that was uh, sleeping and the fox went behind the walrus and started eating off the feces now in the feces of a walrus you find a lot of information about what they eat of course and uh, you find usually uh, the sheath of the siphons of these uh, sh- seashells of these lamellibranchs that they feed upon so the uh, seashell has a uh, a siphon a tube that sticks out through which it filters it takes in the water that it filters in order to feed and on the outside of the siphon there is a, like a like a harder 
skin-like uh, epithelium, um, and and this passes almost uh, intact through the walrus and comes out the other way. But this fox was going out and was eating very uh, keenly on something, and it looked unlikely that it would be looking at the they were taking the skins of the <laughs> of the siphons of these bivalves of these seashells. So we uh, we were curious and we we shoot it away. Uh, we shoot the seal away. We went close and looked at it, what it was actually eating. And uh, it was taking pieces of uh, seal skin and blubber uh-huh. and, and chewing on these that had gone through the walrus, that uh, had come out of, of the walrus. I wouldn't say intact, but, uh, but at least there was a lot of, a lot of seal fat into, onto uh, these pieces of skin. So when you took us out to that group of walrus, um, in, in how much danger were we? I mean, are we part of uh, the the diet of a walrus? I can Im- I can imagine it'd be very scary if a two ton animal comes uh, hurtling towards you on a beach. Mm. My main worry in taking you out to the walrus is well, not to disturb the walruses, actually, <laughs> because. Uh, and and this is not because i value human life or your life less than than a walrus's <laughs> life but it is because we were taking an approach from uh, uh, higher up uh, with respect to the sea um with res- like the we were being farther uphill uh, than the group of walruses with respect to the sea. Right. So uh, we were taking, we were keeping a, a distance. The animals were sleepy, um, and uh, and there was no sign of aggression. Um, if you get close enough to a walrus, and uh, uh, you uh, are in a situation where the animal is acting aggressively against you, it can actually move pretty fast over a few meters. So you could be caught uh, by an animal that uh, that uh, that actually can capture you and can spit it with the with his tusks. So they are dangerous, but uh, on a, on a relatively short range. Or if you are in between the animals and the seashore, and they get suddenly scared, and they could actually trample you down. And uh, and, so and there, sometimes there is something like a like a walrus stampede. They can do a stampede, and this is something that uh, polar bears uh, use as a as a walrus hunting technique. Um, they uh, there have been documentaries and uh, and films that have been showing uh, how a polar bear can go uphill uh, with respect to the sea to um, um, from a group of walruses hold out and sleeping. So these animals they would normally not be afraid of a polar bear, and they would keep on sleeping. But if the polar bear uh, actually manages to scare them away, the walruses actually react by going into the sea uh, just a little bit and then look back and see what happens. But, you know, they are woken up from their slumber and they go into the sea and they so stampede. That's their first instinct to, that's their the safe instinct, ground for them. That's a safe ground for them. And they can stampede also over their young. And the young can either be killed or stunned or be separated by their mother. Uh, in the stampede, and the polar bear can go and take a young walrus. Uh, how, then, how would and, the polar bear scare the walrus just by making noise? Or 
Well, just by the just by being it, it there. It really depends. It's it's just the the, the movements and the, like uh, like attack movements uh, can see. worry a walrus, even though they are uh, quite well protected because their skin is up to three centimeters thick and it's leather uh, of that thickness, and they are at least twice as big as a polar bear. If you're talking about a male, a big male polar bear and a big male walrus um then they uh but but so they they would not normally be like an adult uh, healthy walrus would not be normally um uh, be a prey of a polar bear polar bear would never be able to master the um the wrestling and the and the killing of a walrus but uh, but uh, but if uh, a walrus gets woken up and sees something moving they don't see very well at the distance uh, or smell something that could be a different smell, then they could get scared and rush into the sea. I see. Mm-hmm. They would try. They would try to do that. So, so to go back to the question, of like what do walruses eat? I mean, they they can eat a lot of different things, from very small organisms like small shells, and they actually do uh not take the hard part of the shell inside their mouth they would usually make a small pucker mouth and then suck the uh, animal from the shell using the siphon mm-hmm. as a straw and uh, <laughs> that picture <clears throat> is just wrong but okay yeah it's it's wrong with an animal that side but it's and it would take a long time for the walrus to do this we have been i've had a master student who has uh, uh, looked uh, at uh, um, footage from underwater footage from a walrus feeding uh-huh. and uh, that was taken thanks to some very courageous uh, divers uh, <clears throat> and the uh, the walruses actually fan the sediment away from a bank of mussels that are just sticking out of the of the sediment with their with their siphon and then would go minutiously one by one and patiently would go in and suck one by one the mussels away from the from the sea bottom leaving the shells behind mm-hmm. And using the uh, the uh, the mustache, the uh, vibrisse, around there between the nose and the mouth, as a tactile organ for finding out where to, which which where the uh, next uh, siphon is and where to suck the next time. So this is the uh, this is the one uh, one way of eating of of the walruses with a straw. <laughs> with a straw, yes, <laughs> and it would take a patience. It's like eating, uh, like in a bowl of pistachios, not with with a nuts, like opening <laughs> opening the pistachios one by one. But they they are patient about it. Okay, well, they have a lot of time, I guess. Hmm. Um, so they, they have a lot of time. But when you're talking about this, I mean, I I pick up on this a lot of time. But <clears throat> one of the reasons for the uh, for the uh, the doctoral study that I that I made is uh, that. Uh, uh, these uh, sea, these mussels, they do not live everywhere in the on the sea bottom. So the the mussel habitat is between uh, at, the, at the highest depth at which they can live is the uh, lowest depth at which the ice actually 
hits the sea bottom. So okay. we're talking about areas close to the shore. So if you go down, you have icebergs, you have uh, fjord ice uh, uh, that is actually touching the sea bottom and moving the sea bottom. So this is a place where these muscles cannot live because there is too much uh, like mechanical shock, mechanical disturbance going on. Turbations, yep. disturbance. And then there is a maximum depth, which is uh, like uh, uh, the depth at which you get the sediments or um, the depth at which the, uh, the um, for, for, I'm talking about the, the habitat of the mussels here, the depth at which the, uh, there is food enough uh, for the animals, for these mussels to live. So the, the walrus can feed at the shallowest to the highest point where the where this bossy bottom is not uh, bioturbated, so it's not mechanically moved, which can be several tens of meters if you're talking about an area where there are lots of icebergs, which can go down like tens of meters down below the sea surface. And uh, and then they could go down to where how deep they can actually dive and stay in order to suck all these muscles one by one. They don't need the light to to see where the muscles are, but they would need to find where the muscle banks are. And they can stay underwater for <clears throat> a long time. What's, they what's, can stay what's their air supply? Well, the air supply, I've, like in on a, on a static apnea or like chemically induced apnea, uh, a walrus. We have had walruses staying apneic for uh, close to about well, three quarters of an hour. Okay. Um, but they will typically go down, I say. 10, 15 minutes and then come up again, okay. uh, even shorter, depending on how deep they are diving. And they don't use a straw to breathe. <laughs> they don't use a straw to breathe. No, no, no. Okay. And, um, but then, but then uh, the, uh, this, this uh, having a lot of time is in relation to, um, to how much ice there is on the water surface that actually blocks the access to these muscle banks. Because in the winter, when the ice forms, it would cover the areas above the muscle banks with ice and with a lid that is um, not allowing these animals to access their food source. So, in order to get fat during the summer, so accumulate as much reserves as possible to pass through the winters, Walruses have to have enough time to uh, to access the muscle banks, and assuming that they are only eating this, uh, they need to. Uh, my my point was to calculate how long time do they need in order to uh, get fat enough in order to survive the winter, right. and and conversely, because now with the global warming the lid is off for longer and longer period of time. So if the walruses have free access and they keep on eating, uh, they actually can deplete the muscle banks. Oh, so they are, they, are, they are depleting their own food source. They are depleting their own food source. Or like how f now there are much fewer walruses that have been historically because of walrus hunt. Walruses have been hunted mostly for their ivory of their tusks uh, for several centuries, and it's only in in the past century that they've been they've been totally protected in most places, at least from commercial hunt. Um, but uh, but in case there is a 
uh, an increase in the population, uh, how uh, would this, or uh, the population of walruses, how would this influence the uh, muscle populations in the ecosystem? Because of course these muscles are part of the ecosystem in the fjords. And this was uh, quite interesting, and uh, and uh, well, the main the main part is that uh, walruses eat uh, between, yeah, probably around forty kilos of uh, shell-free mussels every day during wow. the summer when they go out. But then they only go out for four or five days straight, like twenty-four hours uh, days uh, straight out at sea, and then they come on land and they sleep. For a couple of days in, in before a group, they go out the, again, the, like like the one that we witnessed, and they go out, uh, and they 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 usually they would go out and feed individually, but then they would come back to the beach together uh, and huddle together on a hole out, how it's called, and uh, and um, this is uh, probably has also a social value. Uh, groups, different groups of walruses uh, stick together and can occupy alternatively a hole out so when one group is out feeding the other group is out on the hole out and and vice versa so they have um they have a, a rhythm at least during the summer of uh of moving in and out of the hole out but uh, but then during the race the the rest of the year uh yeah, so when they are not uh, in the summer aggregated together in the year we're talking about the males the males would then join the females and the young in more polar areas and during the winter is where we have the the mating and uh, and uh, the permanence into like open areas called polinias that are in the sea ice uh, further north so that's by the way that that will that will definitely also be one of our future episodes um about the mating and the <clears throat> the marine the marine mammal sex <laughs> yes, well, it's definitely yeah. something that I remember you talking about, and it was really interesting. Um, <laughs> so, how many yes. walrus are there now? What what's the population? Yeah, well, it's it's difficult to uh, to estimate the uh, the walrus populations, but um, but it's easier <clears throat> easier to count than whales, isn't it? No, no, no. It's actually it's actually quite difficult okay. because uh, with uh, with like with all pinnipeds, um, the um, we have to have uh, to take into consideration sometimes some animals would be at at any point in time some animals would be on land and some animals would be in the water um and uh, the ones on land they would be visible because if you have good enough detection of something laying like something that is brown on a brown beach but uh, <laughs> but still you would be able to, to go and and check and check these animals well camouflaged but then they, they could also haul out on the ice and uh, and they are um they would be uh, on the um, they would be much more visible because they would be dark on a lighter ice unless they are hidden by some forms of the ice and then they could be in the water and they could be in the water either on the surface just under the surface but still visible or further down so and, and this is one of the complicated thing but the other complicated thing is that they have a tendency during the season where there is most light so during the summer to spread out so the males would move away further away than the females from the winter quarters and uh, so the areas incre of, of distribution increase during the summer and then decrease during the winter. But in the winter, it's dark. 
so it's difficult to go out and the weather is usually very inclement so you don't want to go out in the winter counting walruses and the behavior also changes very much so you have uh, uh, within the same season the behavior is uh, of hauling out or resting for a couple of days and and going into the water um, for three four days and they can all be like randomly distributed but uh, but we do not know whether the population of walrus actually does this randomly the weather uh, storms or uh, like uh, rough weather can influence whether the animals are on land or not they do not like very much to be out when the weather is is very rough out in the on land or on the ice they would rather be in the water but then being in the water means that they cannot rest as well they can also rest by hanging out with their head they fill some air sacs around their neck and, and like inside their neck uh, called pharyngeal pouches and they can float like if mm. they had a a, a stab jacket that's like that's um, like a kid putting flippers on <laughs> yes and and then and then um and then stick out there they's called bottling mm -hmm. so they can they can sleep out at sea but it's not the same as sleeping out on land because you for example you use a lot of you lose a lot of heat True. by being into the water and it would be counterproductive from an animal that tries to tries to be uh how do you call it try to fatten up uh a lot so um well well how many there are well we we think that uh, for the pacific walruses they are probably around like in the couple of hundred thousands mm -hmm. uh, it's the biggest population and for the um for the uh atlantic walruses uh, probably below 10,000 between 5,000 and 10,000 okay. animals um, um but uh but we uh we do not know very well and uh even though they are uh, increasing in numbers we're still keeping an eye on on uh, on how and when which populations are increasing in numbers and uh, also the definition of the populations there is a group of walruses living in the laptev sea which is uh, north of the uh, of russia and uh, this was considered because it's kind of isolated and it's morphologically uh, uh, a little bit different uh, from the Pacific walrus and the Atlantic walruses that they were a separate subspecies and uh, and now they have been uh, taken as a as a part of the Pacific walrus uh, population which is mostly in the in the Bering Strait um, so so also the definition of how many animals we have is uh, is depending on how do we divide the subspecies and uh, and which uh, authorities are responsible for counting the animals okay, there are some countries that put a lot of money into it and some countries that decide not to put a lot of money into but they are animals. they're mostly protected um what kind of hunting is going on is that mostly um i think what we used to call it's aboriginal, the aboriginal hunting? hunting yes okay it so is. so that's the same with whales there's some mm -hmm. cultural um uh, traditional hunting that's still going on yes it is uh, but but hunting hunting walrus is um, is uh, is complicated because um, these um, animals tend to sink when they when they die uh, so if you hunt them 
you would hunt them uh, by harpooning them first and then uh, nowadays using a gun uh, to shoot them dead um, but uh, you have an armored animal with a very thick skin so you have to be shooting it in a special way and you have to be harpooning it in a very special way so one of the one of the ways one of the places where walruses are hunted is around uh, Thule in northwest Greenland and um, it's a hunt at uh, the the late winter in when uh, the sun comes back and uh, people can go out and take boats to the Polinia area that is between uh, northwest Greenland and uh, in northeast Canada and this open area at the edge of the ice is where you find a lot of walruses and the Inuit from Greenland from Thule would take small boats out to the with dog sleds out to the ice edge and they would then use uh, uh, the boats and uh, for going harpooning the animals taking to the ice edge shooting them dead and then hauling them out on the ice to be uh, uh, parted and to be uh, to be uh, divided into pieces so they can be transported over to the to the settlement and is this for um, still for the ivory or is this now more for the blubber and for the meat the ivory is used for carving tupilux and uh, things i mean decoration okay. uh, also i mean it was typically used also for making like handles for knives or like tools um uh, the uh, the rest of the walrus is used uh, mostly for for eating either for feeding humans or for feeding the dogs um and uh parts of the skin uh that can be used for making like very heavy coarse uh, objects that need ivory that need uh, that need leather but it's uh, it's a very thick skin so it cannot be used uh, uh for for making clothing for example okay mm. well walrus and that's again just scratching the surface i guess um just scratching the surface <laughs> yes <laughs> But it's a uh, it's a it's a very interesting animal with a with a which is uh, present in in literature from the uh, from Lewis Carroll uh, Alice in Wonderland I think uh, there is walrus there is walruses have been uh, also coming historically close to close to Europe they were they they regularly come now along the coast of Norway there is one or two walruses every summer uh, coming down and. And visiting the coast of mainland Norway, um, but uh, but there have been walruses historically, uh, at the on the sandbanks out of the of the Thames in uh, in in Great Britain, wow. in the North Sea, and uh, and uh, like we're talking about Atlantic walruses, so so it's it's an animal that has been uh, fascinating uh, uh, humans and has been in contact with Europeans for a long time. All right. Um, I think let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up with that. Um, okay. Again, if if I'm pretty sure you could talk for days on this topic, so I think we'll, sure. we'll have to talk more about walruses. Maybe some pick out some details. If you out there are interested in any more information on that, ask us questions. Let us know. You have a website at curiouslypolar.com where you can find all the contact. If you just come across this podcast, uh, you can, of course, subscribe to it. Uh, you'll find it wherever you 
get your other podcasts. And uh, the show notes have links. Um, I'm also going to put a link uh, to one of the photos that I took during our walrus encounter that we talked about up in Svalbard. And if you are, if you like what you're hearing, um, let other people know as well by maybe giving us a, a rating or a little review on iTunes, which is one of the best ways to help others discover what we're doing here. So until next week, Mario, stay cool. Until next week. Yes. Stay cool, Chris. Thank you very much.